0: Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Chris, we have so, so much to get to today. It was a very interesting week in college football. We had the DJ Durkin stuff, Will Muschamp responding to that. We have Georgia getting more, more elite players, of course. And oh, by the way, college football is right around the corner. I would expect nothing less this time of year.
1: 17 days till SEC football starts. Which means, what, like, I don't know, 12 before I can like start gambling on games? I, th- I think it's something like that. I
0: mean, yeah. that, is, that is just around the corner. Uh, we're going to do a lot of gambling stuff during the season as well. A little uh, peel behind the onion there. Uh, but we have so much to get to today. Before we get yeah. to any of that stuff, though, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Sweet Hop. Sweet Hop is hooking us up. Did you know that you can start the season off with a bang by booking a luxury suite to see your favorite SEC team at a pro stadium? Getting a suite on campus is darn near impossible, but luckily, Sweet Hop has you covered when your favorite team is playing on neutral turf, with private suites available for Texas kickoff, for the Advocare Texas kickoff in Houston, the Chick-fil-A kickoff in Georgia, that game's going to be awesome, and Camping World kickoff in Orlando. That's my neck of the woods. You'll never... Yeah, it is. I'm going to be going to that too, fun fact. Wait, What? Uh, yeah we did, about we're add, and we'll talk about this in a second yeah going to orlando for Bamaluo. what's up um you'll never want to go back to regular seats again like a vip you're going to live exactly like a vip i promise you that uh book a private suite for your group to kick off the season in style you're gonna have vip entrances uh exclusive club access and catering ordered straight to your suite that's the sweet life y'all view availability and pricing at SweetHop.com slash kickoff today. That's S-U-I-T-E Hop.com slash kickoff. That
1: sounds pretty sweet right about now. It sounds pretty sweet. See what we did there? Yeah, that was yeah. pretty good. Boom. Uh, God, we're good at this.
0: Yeah, so we're starting off with a bang. We have a big announcement that I teased on the STS. But, but before we discuss that, you're okay. going to Bama Louisville? Yeah, covering it, man. Oh, it's cool. right down the
1: road. Yeah. I guess my
0: invitation got lost in the mail. It did, um, just like your wedding invitation and all that other stuff. That's perfect because I
1: don't want to go to a fall wedding. But yeah, that's a good point. We'll take a fall uh, later.
0: Big announcement to start off the podcast: we are no longer a once-a-week podcast for the rest of the season. Boom! If you're listening to this right now on a Monday, you're probably like, "Hey, it's not Wednesday. It's not Tuesday night. What what are, you, what are these guys doing?" Yes, we're going to be coming to you every Monday and Thursday until the season starts. And then I believe the plan is we're going to do Sunday and Thursday
1: podcasts. Is that the plan? I'm not or telling. Sun? No, keep it, them on their toes.
0: It's either going to be Sunday and Thursday or Sunday and Wednesday. We know that, um, that once the season starts, we have news galore. We are no longer going to be in situations where stuff is breaking right after we're reporting on I it. I would hope not. That is the good news. It's we going can't to be
1: good. go to like three pods a week because of the news.
0: No, we did Can't that for uh, for we did that for media days, and by the end of it, we're like, oh
1: my gosh, how do people do this every single day? What do you want to talk about? I don't know, man. I'm really tired. I don't want any more Chick Fil A. I would like to just go home. It's really hot.
0: Yeah, but you're I gonna get my nice pants. <laughs> you're gonna get double family food, feud. You're gonna get double. It might mean too much, and most importantly, you're gonna get double us, and that's a pretty pretty good thing. Last time I checked.
1: So, thank you. Let's uh, double us at a Louisville, Alabama opening weekend kickoff game, but that's you know, we'll get into it later. Cool. Um, we'll... We got some pretty big stuff right off the top from you. We do. We do. The organizer.
0: Yes. We. Uh, before we get to that though, I know we have a ton of new subscribers. I know a lot of people listen to college football podcasts. Once the season starts, they need to be kind of in that season mode. Well, here's the good news. We're going to give you a quick faq of sds pod lingo right. our vernacular things that we say on this show so that you're not feeling lost when we say things like oh peel behind the onion that's our way of saying a little behind the scenes peek right I don't know outback how that
1: steakhouse blooming onion that's how onions actually peel when you cut them i'm pretty sure that's where that, that came from but mainly because we enjoy outback steakhouse
0: yes that's a really yeah. good point another
1: podcast like we're not like other podcasts we're a cool podcast Yes,
0: we, uh, we have been told that by ourselves and our parents. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of new subscribers. By the way, shout
1: out to our Vandy su- our Vandy subscriber, yeah. Scott Pannier. Am I pronouncing it? Pannier? Pannier? I don't know what you're asking. I don't think it's Pannier. I'm, I mean, that would be unfortunate. But, that's, I mean, but yeah, it's kind of cool. Vandy people listening to an SEC podcast. I love it. You should keep doing that. Tell
0: all your friends about it because that's what all the cool kids are doing. Some things that you should know, Vandy subscribers, all subscribers, we should probably start this off by saying, Marler, you are a pretty big Bama fan, and it wouldn't have taken long to figure that out. But I just want to make sure that Not that's known to the
1: world. No. That is that is fair. Um, from some mountain, huge Bama fan in the eighty-five percent. Connor, the odd couple. He's from Chicago.
0: Little place I've heard he's of. He's a
1: big fan of Northwestern. That's short awesome. walks on the beach. That's both, awesome. Long walks. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah there's a lot you guys have missed out but i mean come on in water's fine
0: yeah uh other thing that you should know uh yeah i got a bit of a man man crush on on my guy joe moorhead Uh, i'll be talking up i'll be talking up joe moorhead all the time but i promise you i will not be banging any cowbells in your ears um anytime we ever use the phrase hashtag sick brag well on twitter you you add the hashtag to it well i said i use that on twitter every once in a while Um, but yeah, I guess we don't usually use a hashtag, but anytime we say sick brag, yeah, you pretty much know what that means. We like to say that a lot. Um, and one of the things that we talk about here that I think is a legitimate theory that needs to gain a little bit of traction is Auburn names with a K. And if you're at Auburn and your name doesn't start with a K, who even are you?
1: Why are you even there? Yeah. I mean, Um, if you're not on the football team and you're a guy and your name starts with a K, like honestly go try out today. Yes, do it. You'll be the starting running back by next week.
0: Rushing for a thousand yards, probably. Yeah. So, um, that's something to keep in mind. Oh, and Family Feud really isn't Family Feud. It's more of like a rapid fire thing.
1: I don't know why we started calling it Family Feud because it's a very I don't different like premise. Any of these descriptions. Here's <laughs> but what we know. Connor is the organizer. He is the responsible one. Chris is a little. I mean, I just started full time. Um, it's kind so of like, right? like a court uh, ordered um, kind of rehab from like being like in Gamblers Anonymous. Not really. But I gamble. Connor does not. Connor's a smart one. I am not. A lot of can-do attitude from this guy. Some jokes sometimes. That's about it.
0: We love the office.
1: We love SEC football. So strap in.
0: Oh, fun fact, too. Uh, After this past week, after I went on the Paul Feinbaum show, sick brag. Oh, boy. You may or may not have a restraining order against Paul Feinbaum.
1: Yeah, um, that was that was a tough... I mean, it was cool that he remembered me, but it was in the worst light possible because it was my heavy breathing and a restraining order that he, I think, jokingly said he had against me. If you're, gonna if you're make an impression, Paul, Oh, he's, listening. he's definitely listening.
0: Um, if you're going to make an impression on someone, that was the way to do it. Ole Miss made an impression this past weekend. The Landshark is out for the world to see. We got a bunch of serious stuff to get to, but we got to start with this because... This you saw this... Oh, yeah, this is that's a good point. This is very serious business here. We're talking about a shark that is not going to be taken lightly, especially around Oxford. Um, the Ole Miss land shark is,
1: I don't know if there's one word to describe it. Dumb, weird, awkward, uncomfortable, big teeth, no neck, weird neckline. Sharks don't have necks. How do you know that? They probably have necks. How do they move watch, their heads? I watch Shark Week. Um, um, yeah. Also, odd timing to do it. Shark Week was literally like two weeks ago. Could have joined in on that. Um, it is It is the most uncomfortable looking mascot I've seen in quite some time.
0: And the weird thing is, is that it's kind of supposed to be this little tribute to former wide receiver Tony Fine, who used to do the fins up celebration. Uh, he, of course, died of a drug overdose back in 2009. He served in Iraq for a few years. Thank you for your service. Yeah. But, the mascot itself is is pretty pretty terrifying. I mean, like there's there's, there's says no sharks way it's like Mississippi. I mean, that's what I assume.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, so they went from Colonel Reb and I understand like you got to get away from that, got to be more PC. So they naturally uh, pivoted to a black bear and then that did not go well. And then like, you know, like me in college, they just changed their major again. I was like, "You know what? I'm going to be this from now on." But the best part of the whole thing was how they delivered the unveiling. Did you it watch was unbelievable
0: oh It was unbelievable. I want to watch it four, four or five times again, just because I need to get that kind of hype before yeah. I do anything.
1: It was like a My Super Sweet 16 party, but like with a shark that kind of, I felt like wrapped, but was like not, not very well. That was, it was awful. It was
0: uncomfortable on so many levels, but if you're just watching this as an outsider and, and you have a chance to appreciate a mascot, that moment really kinda of set it all. Like Ole Miss is I feel like just kinda g of going into the swerve here. They're trying to go after the minor league baseball type yeah. thing with a mascot and just hope that you forget that they might have had a mascot that like kinda bothers
1: some people. Yeah, we're not going to a bowl, but we got a land shark, so what Remember was amazing to me was the fact that the stage they set up, which was roughly eight inches off the ground, <laughs> um, and like the lights, and uh, let's call it pyrotechnics, but they're black cats. That's all it was. Yeah. They set this thing off, and he, like, the shark comes out. Um, the stage wasn't even set up at the middle of the field, it was at like the 15 yard line from like a side door. Like, he was just like in the janitor's closet, like, all right, get on at her, wave, wave to the kids. And then he gets on stage. There's like a lot of angry rat playing. Jumps off the stage, which is pretty badass. And then just a sea of terrified children.
0: Yeah, th- what children is w- what children are going to look at that mascot and think this is a cuddly guy who I want right. to spend all my time with? It might be a girl, actually. Do we know if it's
1: guy or girl? Either way, it's not cuddly. Sharks yeah. can, if you rub it the wrong way, cut you. That's a, a defense mechanism. It's like sandpaper. Learn that the probably, hard way. Probably tougher than the Ole Miss defense. Boom! Roasted. Wow. Yeah, there you go. Off the top rope. Yeah, I, I love it though.
0: It's gonna be fun to watch uh, all the memes that are gonna happen because of this Land Shark. Um
1: I made a pretty yeah. good meme on Instagram, I'm gonna say. Yeah, it's a pretty fire. Follow follow
0: SDS on, on Instagram if you're if you're not doing that. You're you're killing the Instagram game. Thank um, you, sir. We're gonna to transition to something that's the big news in college football this past weekend. DJ Durkin, the Maryland coach, was put on administrative leave. That was following uh, an ESPN report about the toxic culture at Maryland. It was an investigation done uh, by reporters at ESPN that went into the, the extent of the bullying nature of the, the coaching staff. And this was all just in response to the death of Jordan McNair. The Maryland offensive lineman died from a heat stroke during a Maryland workout on May 29th. And this was just ESPN digging into this. So the the, the bombshell report hit late on Friday because that's pretty much when all bombshell reports come out these days. Um, but the, the interesting SEC angle, besides the fact that DJ Durkin was the interim coach at Florida after Will Muschamp was fired, um, and oh, by the way, Matt Canada, interim coach at Maryland, um, get excited for it. Get really excited. So, so much motion. I can't wait for it. It's going to be great. Um, but yeah, so the, the SEC angle to this was, of course, Will Muschamp, South Carolina coach, weighing in on his former colleague, friend, DJ Durkin, and basically blindly supporting him. This was a surprising quote to see, given that it came before, actually, Durkin was put on administrative leave. The story came out on Friday. Durkin was put on administrative leave on Saturday night, but Muschamp weighed in on Saturday afternoon, and he was asked just point blank about his friend, and this was what he had to say. He said, there's no credibility in anonymous sources. If that former staffer had any guts, why didn't he put his name on it? I think that's gutless. In any business, in any company, and in any football team, especially right here in August, you can find a disgruntled player who's probably not playing. So I think it's a lack of journalist integrity to print things with anonymous sources. And I know DJ Durkin personally. I know what kind of a man he is. I talked to him this morning, and I don't think it's right. That quote was really surprising given the sensitive nature of the allegations against durkin and basically oh like somebody dying yeah, yeah somebody somebody died here this isn't just anonymous sources saying this coach was too hard on me like a kid died right. and that's why espn investigated this whole thing so like muschamp blindly defends his former his his, his colleague um yeah went
1: after journalism went after journalism. He understands how journalism works um that was tough but, I mean, yeah, like, I was kind of surprised, but at the same time, I'm not, because, you know, it, I wish that he was more eloquent about it and didn't just look like he was defending a friend. He could have... Instead of knowing... the Right. It, it, there, There's no way he knew the full details. Yeah, and there are two separate
0: things here that I think Muschamp wanted to get across, and instead they kind of molded into this one belief that made him not look so good, and that was the belief that he's not a right. fan of anonymous sources, which... All right. Like, I kind of see both sides of the argument. But I, I actually think, you know, obviously I'm going to come off bias here as a journalist. Yeah, that's right. Um, at least sometimes. I pretend to be one on TV. But what am I? I don't know. You're just, you're a personality. You're all All right. A that's pretty good when you get to that point. Uh, but I think what Muschamp was trying to say is that anonymous sources are weak. I think in journalism, you need them at times to expose situations like this and when people don't want to have voices no have, not
1: really just like watergate um <laughs> yeah. what was deep throw? what happened with with urban meyer uh the movie goodfellas just stuff like Good that point. that's top of my
0: head Good point um so yeah i mean we won't get into a discussion about whether or not anonymous sources need to exist but just muschamp was trying to make this point about that and then it it, it kind of went into this belief that he he likes dj durkin a lot and he's you know, right. he's, he's want, wants to support his friend and, you know, if he believes his friend is innocent, you know, that's one thing, but maybe not the place to say it because when stuff like this yeah. comes out and he looks like he did not know the extent of this and having a player die is sort of a different element to all this. It's not like we're just talking about program X dealing with players who say that practice is too hard. Like th- there's right. a pending lawsuit Going against Maryland right now and going against this coaching staff, and there are a little bit. You know, this this situation is a little bit stickier
1: than I think Muschamp realized when he made the comments. And again, that's because someone died. Yes. So yeah, I mean the the Muschamp stuff. He's been so fun and cordial the entire summer. So it caught me off guard. I love the fact that he was like, "If you uh you got any uh not he didn't say it, I guess directly, but if you got any blank, you know come out come out and say it to me." Right away, don't be gutless about it. Sir, like, you're talking about a toxic a toxic environment where people are being, like, challenged and, like, emasculated and, like, yelled at. You want me to come out and be like, all right, sorry, man, it was me. Yeah. It was me. Yeah, that'll that, end That's well. my bad. That'll end super We're cool, well. right? Yeah. Also, the fact that it's Muschamp, like, proves with, like, Without a doubt, he's the scariest person in the world. Oh yeah, we've already seen, you've seen the because, video of
0: Muschamp behind in the locker room when he just goes berserk on that whiteboard. Yeah. I mean, that's
1: everybody's seen that by now, I would imagine. So I mean, it's still pretty incredible that he's able to keep his shirt tucked in <laughs> that well while it's happening. Like props to that. But the fact that like he was like D.J. Durkin's a great man, and he was on his staff, just kind of makes me think that Muschamp's probably done not worse because he didn't kill anybody. But like, yeah, it's probably just how he goes about his business, yelling, a lot of loud noises throwing stuff. champ is going to be able to move on from this, but
0: this is a college football wide story. And it, there's there are a lot of different bigger picture elements to this whole Durkin thing in terms of the security that these coaches have and the access to right. uh, all these things that have gone on behind closed doors that if they had been exposed when they happened, you know, a couple years ago, it's a different story. And there's, there's just something that sometimes when you hear things uh, about a program, it just makes you kind of stop and pause. And I remember two years ago, Hearing about before you know before DJ Durkin had ever coached a game at Maryland, and they're going through their summer workouts, and an offensive lineman goes on the Big Ten Network set and says, "Yeah, I lost 13 pounds of practice today. That's pretty normal for me at these type of practices." And it's like, "Well, I know offensive linemen lose a ton of weight." You guys aren't even any good. Yeah, we're talking about a five-win program here. We're not talking about a team that's you know this is a very different day, Dirk. This is a very different situation, I think, if we're talking about a big-time, you know, a place like Texas or something like that, or, you know, that has this this big sort of fan base that's automatically going to go and protect it, Right. or what we've seen at Ohio State with Urban Meyer with a lot of fans coming out, not necessarily all fans. Pat, not a lot, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's just weird to see that um, something like this
1: happening at a place where, goodness, the results weren't even that good, man. No, not at all. I mean... And, again, I would like to wait until the rest of, like, the story and the facts come out. Because, you know, again, I played baseball in college. And, like, I had a pretty rough and, like, like hard-nosed coach that said a lot of, at the time, mean things. Sick brag. But, yeah, I mean, sick brag. Made me cry once or twice, whatever. Um, I, I mean, I was kind of used to that environment. I was really surprised that this got out from the locker room. Because usually nothing gets out of the locker room. Right. Um so that I mean that aside, like I would like to see the rest of the facts because they don't seem too bothered by it. No, there were there were current players that were quoted by this, and they said that
0: they came out and spoke because of what happened with Jordan McNair, and right. they thought that the coaching staff handled this so poorly. I mean, to be able to go back to business as usual, as players, current anonymous players said that they were doing. Yes, not making up current anonymous players, by the
1: way. How awkward! How awkward was that? Like after that happened, like having to return. Like he's on administrative leave now. But the story had been coming out. Oh, and he before he, that. he mailed a letter. DJ
0: Durkin mailed a letter to parents on that Friday, saying that this is going to come out. And he basically right. tried to get ahead of it. How much he was able to do that, I I right. highly doubt. But yeah, this is something where you know I, I hate to say this can happen at anywhere, but you kind of get the feeling that if it can happen at a place like Maryland, that just seems so random in this in the scope of college football. What, what's right. it to stop it from happening at places where? you're not being where it matters
1: you're not being viewed closely with a microscope all the time so uh i mean i will say like the anonymous sources that i have uh you have many i don't think the letters yeah i have like seven it's whatever um the letters didn't go over well because from what i've heard he cut out a bunch of like individual letters from magazines and then put like together like a like a ransom letter and sent them out like just threatening the parents even more so super i don't know yeah, it's gonna come out soon. Yeah, yeah. waiting for that report. Um,
0: yeah, the the whole uh, Muschamp is this uh, nice, soft guy. That that storyline is over with. We're we're done with that. Yep. We've. Uh,
1: I don't even know why we even <laughs> thought that for a, for a minute. We saw
0: his house on the lake, and we just got really excited. We're like, Muschamp is this cool, rich dude. We saw him at SEC Media Days. He was just shooting it really quick with everyone. No, that is completely out the window. We're
1: moving on. I really would like to go to Columbia. Just like next week, I have to go home for like the weekend. See if I can like get in, like use your credentials, get into like a little a little uh, press conference. And just be, like, coach, anonymous sources saying you uh, <laughs> and a few other coaches were involved in some Russian collusion last year with recruits, and then just sit there and wait. Like,
0: <laughs> Hulk
1: smash!
0: Oh, I'd love to see that. I absolutely would. Uh, I'm looking forward to Matt Canada's first game as Maryland's coach. Over or under six oh and God. a half guys in motion on the very first play from scrimmage.
1: It's oh, it's
0: gonna be a nightmare.
1: Who are they playing the first game? They gotta play Texas. Yeah, play
0: Texas. They host Texas in the first game. Tom Herman. Speaking of anonymous horses, yeah, that's a little interesting thing. We won't really get into that because apparently there was nothing of that that whole story of Tom Herman being the tip guy and the Zach Smith or Meyer thing. Eh, Apparently Brett McMurphy debunked that. But it was fun to think that for like an hour or two, wasn't it? Yeah. It's terrifying. It was really fun. What is happening? Uh other big news over the weekend. Imagine that. Georgia gets more help. You know, you feel you feel good for teams like Georgia that just need all the help that they can get, and they finally get it. Uh, no, not at all. Demetrius Robertson, the former Cal receiver, the five-star transfer, is going to be eligible immediately at Georgia. I have no idea how these sort of hardship waivers work, but
1: they worked in favor of Robertson. Now he's going to get to play. Well, I mean, first off, I don't understand. When, when is the last thing something... When's the last time something didn't go Georgia's way this offseason? Second and twenty-six. Oh, this I mean, offseason. The off off they are killing it. Um Jake from Fish Hook, Jake from Water Sports. Yeah, but that's again, like that's just God wanting Justin Fields to start. We know that. I think Terry Goodwin's just We'll get to that yeah, later. Yeah,
0: that's that's true. That that is a good theory. I want you to I want you to sit on that for a little bit. Uh,
1: yeah. Terry Godwin's hurt though, I mean, so that's kind of a bad thing for Georgia, right? Maybe? Sure, I guess. <laughs> I I don't really understand. Like the hardship waivers, like I'm I mean, that's that's a lot of fun to get creative and like make something up, like a little Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I, I mean, yeah, let the kid leave Cal because he's a Cal. He could play in the NFL. Don't ruin his talent. Yeah, I, I don't know what exactly
0: the the qualifications are for hardship waivers. I think even Nick Saban was asked the question because you know uh, we'll we'll get to this a little bit later. Ale uh, Cahoe is that how you say Cahoe? Did we figure Brandon out? Cahoe? Cahoe Brandon, aka Ale Ale. Ale? Ale. I like Ale. Uh, we're just going to call him AK because like we do with our boy JT, Jordan Ta'amu. Yeah, Ooh, That was something we, we left quite, out of the yeah. frequently asked questions. Um, yeah, we're, we're just going to call him AK. So, yeah, getting back to Robertson, though, he gets this immediate year of eligibility. And Kirby uh, said that, yeah, he's got to get in shape. You know, he's doing stuff on his own, but that's just a little bit different than...
1: How did he get out of shape?
0: I don't know. It's just different when, you're, when you don't have Kirby Smart yelling at you, you know, to... Well, I guess we shouldn't be talking about that. Maybe we'll yep, move on from course, that. Move <laughs> on so that didn't exist. But uh, Kirby Smart did have an interesting comment about SEC speed, and I think it was kind of overlooked over the weekend, taking a little shot at the Big Twelve, or at the Pac-12 rather. Um, so Kirby had this quote on Saturday when asked about Robertson, uh, who came from Cal, of course. So the quote was: In high school, uh, Robertson played defensive back. He played everything. He probably played at a level where it didn't matter who he was going against; he was going to outrun him. He's playing in the SEC now. There's guys just as fast as him out here. In this league, you find out real quick when you bump, when you get bump and run down, uh, when you play against South Carolina, Kentucky, Florida, and Auburn, they're going to bump oh, yeah. and run you on every down. That's Kentucky. not exactly where he came from. That's That was the, the little kicker at the end there. That's not where he came from. So Kirby Smart doesn't think Pac-12 defensive backs are very good.
1: I hope – I mean, they're not. I mean, Washington actually has, like, the best secondary in the country – I hope Robertson transfers out immediately. Following these remarks, it's like you just transferred in to your school, and the first thing you do is tell me I got to get in shape and how terrible my competition's been for the past couple of years.
0: Yeah, I mean the guy put up some numbers. He put up 50 catches, 767 yards, seven touchdowns as a true freshman. Like, the, you know, it wasn't like he was just getting by and you know putting up,
1: you know, a catch here, catch there. Come on down to Athens. I'm gonna <laughs> just absolutely just. Berate your talents as soon as you commit. You're stuck now.
0: I love that, though, because there's this belief that Kirby, with all of these five stars, that he's just going to be gray-shirting five stars pretty soon, and their, their whole roster is just four deeps of five stars. We're going to get to that point, and Robertson getting this sort of treatment from Kirby kind of out of the out of the right. jump is just a sign of that.
1: Well, this is their nineteenth, 18th or 19th five-star that he has brought to Athens in the past... Since January 2018, oh my 2017. So, pretty good pace. I think one a month, um, which is above average, to say the least. I, I mean, they're already loaded. They're already loaded, especially on offense. It's a great addition, I don't. I mean, it's like how many weeks in a row do we have to talk about Georgia recruiting? No, like, slow it down, guys. Yeah, for you, for those of you who haven't listened to us, uh, I,
0: every week it's like, oh, should we talk about Georgia recruiting this week? They're kind of doing some unprecedented stuff, and that's become such a stale storyline. And this right. this Robertson thing is just more five star stuff, and you kind of get bored of it in the way that you would with Alabama. Like that's that's the right. point we've already gotten
1: to. Uh, with I just Georgia. long for the day that like there's a there's a video that goes viral on like Twitter or like College Football Live in the off season. And instead of, like, somebody being, like, awarded a scholarship, it's just Saban or Smart announcing somebody's going to get gray-shirted at, like, the first practice. Like, hey, you, five-star, get over here. You're not playing until January. That'd be a power move. Grab grab a water bottle. That's a total power move. I'd love to see it. We're gonna need
0: video of that too. Like just yeah, that was the whole point. Yeah, no, no. Uh, I don't need any audio. I just need uh, Saban calling somebody over, and then whatever five star that goes over there, you just see his shoulders shrug, and then he just walks back and just changes. And then jerseys. DJ
1: Durkin on the ones and twos on the practice field playing another one bites the dust. Ooh. Boom. Durkin,
0: defensive analyst at Alabama. Is that too soon to predict that? Oh God.
1: I mean, I assume that like he's. Again, when I saw DJ in College Park, me being from Atlanta, I just assume assume it was a rapper. You were incorrect. Incorrect. I mean, we, you never know. Very incorrect. Let him live his life.
0: Uh, speaking of the Pac-12, our guy, AK, our new guy, uh, Ale Coho. Uh, a lot of owls, yeah. Yeah, transferring to Alabama this weekend, and he is also immediately eligible to play. Um, you had a great question here. Um, how long does Sabin think it'll take uh, Kao up to speed? Or no, this was the question that was posed at Sabin. And uh, he had a, a great little quote to this. Sabin, as only Sabin could say, said, uh, I can't answer that. Hypothetical question. We're going to do the best we can every day. Aight. He actually said "I." Really? I. Okay. That's what he says all the time. Right. Uh, it's like... No, I'm saying, but for him. Uh, Saban continued, he said, uh, I don't know how hard it's going to be. It depends on how fast he learns. It depends on a lot of things. What kind of condition is he in? How much can we do with him? Lots of questions, and they're not bad questions. We're glad to have the guy here, and we're looking forward to the opportunity to help him be successful as a person, as a student, and as a player. But how long is it going to take? I don't know. Uh, Then he reached for the Coke bottle at the podium, uh, and he said, I wish this was a magic wand. I could just sort of, and then he waves it, Uh, it's not the Wizard of Oz. That's
1: that's great. What? I mean, first off, what do you think Saban's first wish would be, or like first thing he would do with a magic wand? Uh, little Debbie's, f- as far as the eye can see. Yeah. Or just like do away with kickers. I, I could see that as well. Yeah. Or Kirby. I mean, Ooh, either man. way, make Kirby vanish. That would be probably number one. Yeah. I I saw this this past weekend, or this I guess last week. And they said he was a five-star, number one inside linebacker on some sites in the country. Really, really big-time recruit. Um, And, of course, kind of like what we talked about last week, Georgia fans and Bama fans just clapping back at each other on social media about the other team cheating. So it's the same exact situation as Robertson. Basically. Except in this one, K. dad got a job in Tuscaloosa. And he was homesick in Washington, lived in Nevada— and now he's in Alabama. World traveler,
0: sounds like. Um, yeah. But there's the bigger picture question with this too is the as Georgia and Alabama seem to be in this arms race, I think there's a legitimate question now in terms of who has the most talent moving forward and you're shaking your head at me, no already, which is probably- Yeah, I've been stuff.
1: trying to pace myself this entire segment. Yeah, um, as you take a swig of vodka. Uh, No, it's water. That that is water, sir. That is smart water, because you're about to get schooled. Allegedly.
0: So tell me why Alabama, you think, still has more talent than Georgia. And don't don't point to the national championship, because we're talking future talent here.
1: Well, I mean, I thought you said right now, like the team this year. Yeah, this year, but what they're going to be able to do moving forward. first off, the reason this whole argument got brought up is because our editor, C. Wright, just casually, very nonchalant, was like, oh, yeah, by the way, you guys should talk about how Alabama's not the uh, most talented team in the conference anymore. And I was like... Excuse me? Yeah, your head spun pretty quickly. I, I mean, in the whole conference, that's saying a lot. And he was kind of, I guess, talking about the the thing last week about, it was on SC Network with Chris Doring and and our good buddy, uh, why am I drawing a blank on Peter this? Bur- Peter Burns. Yeah. About the uh, best D-line in the conference. I don't think Bama's the best D-line in the conference. I think it's Mississippi State, then Auburn, then Bama. I think Clemson has the best D-line e in the country. But just because that one position, Bama's lagging, and I, I use that very loosely But in quotes. But this isn't just a defensive line. Because I agree with you. I don't think be, be, Alabama has the best
0: defensive line. That's a strange sentence to say. I agree with you that at Auburn, Mississippi it's State... It's
1: literally the, only the defensive
0: line. But what, about the, it's literally, but what about the secondary? Because the secondary we assume is going to be okay. But you yourself on this very podcast have predicted multiple times that Alabama's oh, going to lose to Ole Miss because the
1: secondary is quote-unquote, too inexperienced. Yeah, it's it's got a lot to learn. But when you say, like, talent, the most talented team... So you look through this entire... Like, I guess, not too deep. We're not going to get into that. Yes, you got numbers. But you look at, like, the projected starters from Alabama. Start with the secondary. You want to do the secondary? Fire away, sir. So they lost their top six defensive backs from last year's team. Uh, They replaced them with... who? Why can't I find this in my notes? They replaced them with... Patrick Sertain, number one cornerback in the country, five-star, number six overall in the entire country. Every single defensive back they have that's been there for at least two to three years, Nigel Knott. Um, you got Diggs coming she, back. Yeah, Shaquem Carter. Let's see who else. You got Savion uh, Smith coming Davis. from LSU too. Savion Smith is, a, is, yeah, the number one cornerback coming out of JUCO, number two player overall out of JUCO. Everyone in there is a four-star. They're all over six one. And they're being coached by the best defensive backs coach in the country. So th- they're all top 100 guys. Right. So
0: that's that's the thing, though, is that in terms of a talent standpoint, Georgia could have the edge right now.
1: But in terms of – I okay, you're, you're shaking your head again at me. Because I think if you're talking about this year, in the future, yeah. Like, it scares me to see what Georgia could be. It's like the rate they're going, they're only going to have five stars. Their kicker is going to be incredible.
0: Oh, absolutely. Whereas Bama
1: cannot ever see. We don't even have a kicker. But, I mean – you keep looking like from at every single unit ranking, and you talk about the D line. Sure, what Bama's third, I think third best in the conference. I I'd go with that. Third's fine, yeah. Pretty thin. They lost, you know, some uh, more guys in the NFL. Deshaun Hand. You get Raquan Davis uh, back, and,
0: yeah. Yeah, he,
1: like that's what blows my mind. Raquan Davis is literally the number one preseason player in the entire SEC, according to our website. Yeah, according to Rick David, who's a former NFL scout who knows his stuff. Uh, let's, let's just right. say that.
0: By the way, if you haven't checked that out, go, go check out uh, our top 25 players on SDS. We did some really cool stuff with that, working with Texas Pete. Shout out Texas Pete. Right. Um, definitely go check that out because there's a lot of stuff that I'm sure everybody will agree with.
1: Also, the D-line is totally different at Bama versus Mississippi State. I get Montez Sweat. I get the fact that Jeffrey Simmons, they combined for 15 and a half sacks totally get they were very good first team all SEC players when you talk about talent top to bottom look at every single unit the linebackers of bama who starts in the middle in the middle this year dylan moses number one inside linebacker in the country his his recruiting year mac wilson another five star number two overall first team all have five stars really, yeah. yeah literally everywhere the offensive line who's gonna be going up against like auburn they returned nine of their top 10 defensive linemen from last year that was a unit that got thirty-seven sacks. The offensive line they're going to be going up against is—I think it's—I was wrong this morning. It's two five stars and three four stars. All of them ranked in the top one hundred with an average ranking of thirty-six overall. That's fair. That, okay,
0: you're you're talking me into this. Let's let's seal the deal. Let's let's close this out here. Rick Savig, our NFL scout. Um, Let's let's ask about this this position group thing because you, you got him to break this down here. Yeah. And this is uh this is kinda interesting. So if you're if you're ranking if if you want to break this down by unit, let's just go with offensive lineman. He had ranked in order Bama one, Georgia two, Mississippi State three, Auburn four. That's a little bit I, I think a lot of people
1: Auburn returns one starting offensive lineman. Right.
0: Yeah. And the, the thinking with Auburn is that with Gus Melzon's system, offensive line is usually never an issue that you have to worry about. But right. that's, but Bama's D line usually is. Right. Uh, quarterback, uh, he's got Auburn, Georgia, uh, Alabama, and Mississippi State. So Alabama, number three, but like Tua could be the most talented quarterback Alabama's had sure. in a really, really long well, time. So. I think
1: it was your boy Trent Dilfer on this podcast that said he was the best best high school recruit he's ever seen in the Elite 11, and he's so good that he thinks he will never lose a game in Alabama and they could win 50-3 every single game. That's a direct quote that he said. I didn't like that. It's a lot. He said that. I've, Who did he go up against last year? From. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. Yeah. Okay. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. Hey, you're, you're getting. you No. I, I'm about. just. I'm excited to. No, I'm not bothered. I'm just excited to like embrace debate. <laughs> go to running back. I think it's that's trademarked tra- tra-
0: tra- 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 by another network that we'll, we'll we won't name Good. here. Um, running back. We got Alabama one, Georgia two, Mississippi State three, Auburn four. That's these are standings ra- rankings. Remember, don't don't forget that. Um, that's eh, to me. That's a little bit debatable, just because there's so many unknowns with Georgia, and you could argue that the talent. Yeah. with Samir White. Oh, by the way, you're able to bring in Dalvin Cook's brother, James. Um, we expect big things of him, Elijah Holyfield. That backfield's loaded. DeAndre Swift, we don't need to even get into that
1: yet. But. but as far as talent goes, before we move on from it, in Bama's backfield, Damian Harris, pretty pretty good career so far, 2,000-yard seasons, five-star out of high school, number one running back in the country. Same with Najee Harris, number two player overall in the country. Go on.
0: Yeah. No, I I could I have no problem with with Bama there. So we'll we'll go through wide receiver now. We got Auburn at 1, Georgia at 2, Bama at 3, Mississippi State at 4. So you're saying Bama at 3 and you're saying that because talent is a little bit different if you're talking about guys who haven't gotten the ball because Jalen Hurts didn't want to throw it to them. Right? Sure, yeah. I get yeah. That makes sense. Okay. But we all think Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, like these guys, Devontae Smith, these guys can all be studs if Tua is the guy. And I, I think the talent argument is just a little bit different when you're talking about receiver because it's a position where freshmen rarely thrive. And a, right. a team like Alabama could really take off in a hurry. So that's – yeah, yeah, you're number three there, but I, I wouldn't look too far into that. So we'll,
1: we'll wrap this up real quick. Defensive line, you got Auburn at one. Well, hold on, hold on, real quick. If you're saying – if you're literally arguing between – I don't understand how Auburn, first off, with two – Two receivers that are gone for the year. Left, uh, Will Hastings both out for torn
0: ACLs. Well, not under the Will Muschamp school of theory when it
1: comes to torn ACLs. but Also a good yeah. point. He just yells it back into place. Um, Nate Craig Myers, who was a huge recruit, still hasn't really done much. Uh, I still think he's going to be great this year. Regardless, every if you're talking about Georgia and Bama specifically, the receivers that are behind Georgia's receivers, you realize they're the same guys that were on the field last year that caught three of two of touchdowns? Two of the three? Right.
0: No, I'm uh, I'm in agreement with you. I would say that that's that ranking's a little bit too high, but um yeah, I, okay, so whatever. I think a lot of these are, are really subjective. Linebacker um has got Auburn at 1, Alabama at 2, Georgia at 3, Mississippi State at 4. That yeah, that's where I lost it. And not having Alabama at one at linebacker seems just odd on so many levels, but
1: they have had some injuries. You lose to Terrell Lewis in the preseason. Like, all right. I was calm. I was having a good day. <laughs> I'd gone to Oregon all weekend. It was the most mellow, like, quiet place of all time. I was fine. I was fine. I don't think. You and were then fine. this happened. No. I was not fine. I was not fine. I was really fired up. And as soon as he wrote that, I was like, how? How do you not? How do you not have Bama's linebackers ranked number one? Alright, so if that didn't
0: set you off, this definitely will. At defensive back, he's got Stavik has Georgia 1,
1: Auburn 2, Mississippi State 3, Bama 4. I'm fine with that, because we, we're replacing everyone in the secondary. But when you look at it from a talent standpoint, and you go through like their rankings coming out of... like Here's, here's what I don't understand. When you talk about Auburn, and this is what C. Wright said mainly, Auburn and Mississippi State on the field passing Bama? How? Because because the two players on the D line,
0: I think the, the I mean the argument for Mississippi State I don't think it's really there. I think you can make the argument that Mississippi State has a better defensive line coming into twenty eighteen than Alabama, but that doesn't definitively mean that it will end up being a better defensive line. Those are two different right. discussions, in my opinion.
1: And moving forward with like like talent in general, the, the rosters Mississippi State has not had a recruiting class that's been ranked inside the top eighteen in the country or inside the top eight in the conference.
0: Yeah, talent comes down to that. I mean, that's, I think, what we, we tend to associate it with. It's not whether or not somebody has a proven track record. Talent, to me, is the potential, and it's about how high these kids were rated as recruits, and what these coaches are saying about them, how quickly they rise on the depth chart—it's just a—it's a different discussion. But the the you know, whether or not Alabama is the most talented team in the SEC anymore—I mean, as Georgia continues this rise, it's a fair discussion to continue to have.
1: Yeah, with just Georgia, with that, with I agree. With just Georgia, and by the way, just side note, um, one—I don't even remember the last time Mississippi State beat Alabama. So, I, I think it's like two thousand something like that. I think it was two thousand seven. Yeah, maybe it was. Yeah. So I lied, so I do remember. Anyway, um, I, they've won like nine straight games against them. The recruiting thing, and I understand that Georgia's like taken off and they are killing it and they have 17 recruits. You know they're ranked second now? Yeah, that is the way that works in the recruiting cycle. You, you know, Not first, second. Yeah. All right. Let's just pump the brakes until the season happens. They bring in even more five stars. But right now, no, they're not the most talented team. Let's move on, Christopher. You're getting very worked up. I'm just saying, facts are facts. Read a book. You're, uh, I've, no, Come on, don't ask me to do that.
0: Um, I'll listen to a book on tape, though. So, we have something that you wrote for us, your writer, which we learned uh, this past weekend 50 questions about the college football season and about the SEC specifically. Um, yeah. Read it on SDS if you haven't yet. Um, it's going to make you lol, I promise. That is the Chris Marler guarantee, uh, right? That's I, I can give you. Don't put account.
1: that pressure on me. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give you your own guarantee. Actually, this went over a lot better than I thought it would. Yeah. So you had a lot of great stuff in here.
0: Um, pretty much hit on every SEC team. But one of the things that you mentioned here, you think, I think Ed
1: Orgeron's going to be the first coach fired in the SEC? Couldn't help but notice that you did say that in there. I mean, you know how I feel about Vegas, and they have his odds as. I mean, they're the most likely to have their season go off the rails because of how tough that schedule that's, is. Yeah, that's yeah. It's probably if the
0: off the rails thing is like what's off the rails at LSU compared to off the rails at Florida. I don't know. Very good point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you kept it to about 10 Alabama questions. So really proud
1: of you for doing that's that. That's what they told me to do. I fo- I followed instructions. Uh, that's a first, but I'm, I'm glad that's also doing a Larry Fedora question. Thank you. you you got real topical with it. Uh, let's,
0: let's ask some, there are three questions here, uh, that you have that I think are worth kind of digging into a little bit more because they're, Fascinating questions that really could shape the way that we think about the SEC this season. Um, the first of which is, will Jake Bentley turn the corner as a passer? A lot of people thought that was going to happen last year, despite the fact that he may or may not have been you know, going to his high school prom during the off week oh or whatever God. it was. Um, I mean, Debo
1: Samuel was out, so like, I get that excuse. But Jake Bentley was not very but. good last year. Let, let, let that no. be known.
0: He was not very good when Debo Samuel went down, and you can't just say that that it's all because of that because his decision-making struggled. If you watch him from a game-to-game standpoint, he is a guy who just did not seem to be able to progress with going through his first and second reads and being able to have that pocket presence that you need at this point. And right. I question if he's going to turn the corner under Brian McClendon's new system. There are a lot of expectations. It's fast paced. It's a little bit more quarterback friendly. Offensive linemen seem to like it. And there are questions as to whether or not this loaded receiver group that is headed by Debo Samuel is going to be able to outshine and maybe maximize uh, Jake Bentley's talent. But I'm very skeptical. And I, I, I honestly would, I don't think I'm putting him in the top seven of my SEC quarterbacks as of right now. Are you? Top seven? That's a very specific number. Um, better half. So just the better half of the starting quarterbacks. Stid-
1: yeah, I, mean, I guess the... He's not better than yeah. Fitzgerald. He's not better than Stidham. He's not better than Tua right now. Well, give me a second to count. That's only Sorry. three. Sorry. I would have That's three good. more. Drew Locke? No, he's not better than Drew Locke. He's not going to be better than Joe Burrow, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, you're, you're, you're so, so high on Joe Burrow. Than i love that you're really. I love that you're really high on Joe am. Burrow. A lot of high school numbers there. Yeah. Um, JT is anyway. yeah, not higher yeah. then. I don't know... I don't know if he will turn the corner. It, it, the thing is, and I, I don't want to like get on like a negative <laughs> negative rant here because that, that Bama thing got me all fired up. Couldn't tell. But Carolina fans, their biggest biggest off I guess, trash talk is they're going to beat Georgia in week two. Really? I, I don't know how necessarily. Like you really, I mean, you really really need to win that game because they haven't beaten Kentucky in the past four years. If Jake Bentley is has turned the corner, and if he is going to go to that next
0: level where he is not just a guy that people like rooting for and they hope he's the guy, but he's actually the guy and he's a national name, it's going to be because he beats Georgia. I think that's what we can agree on. If you can pick apart a defense that we expect to be one of the best in the country. The most talented defense in the country. <laughs> that's the word of the day. If you're playing a drinking game for every time we say the word talent today, I apologize. You are hammered and you're going to be hungover in a few hours. Nice. But... I, yeah, I, I'm on board with you. I think that is a massive question mark, and it does limit South Carolina's potential.
1: Right. right. I mean, the, th- the thing for me is, is not him and the receivers. It's the offensive line and giving him time to exactly. throw. Exactly. That's that's a big part of it, too. And if he gets an offensive line that gives him
0: all the time in the world, then there's really not a whole lot of excuses as to why he can't become that guy because we think right. the talent is there. But I, I question if it, if it's all up there mentally. Um, so I don't think Jake Bentley is going to be competing for a Heisman Trophy finalist spot. One of your good questions that you had in here was, will an SEC player be invited to New York as a Heisman finalist? We are still waiting on our first SEC invite to New York since Derrick Henry won the Heisman Heisman in 2015. yeah. Yeah. No SEC players were invited these last two years. Got to see guys like Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield shine on the national stage. And the SEC just has not had that representation. And it's weird because nobody really came close last year. I mean, this was right. this was brutal. I mean, we're talking about, you know, two years ago, Jonathan Allen finished seventh, and that's the best, the best that the SEC has had in the Heisman voting in the last two well, years. Well, only two
1: years. That's not I mean. But still, it's. Drew Locke threw 40, 46 touchdown passes last year. Yeah, but if he had done so against teams that were, you know, actually Don't throw out that right. sad. It'll make me cringe. But regardless, I mean, 40, he wasn't even the player of the conference like we always talk about. I, I don't know who it's going to be. Like the, the new, the most recent updated uh, Vegas odds have Tua number one overall. It's just nuts. It's nuts. It's ridiculous. I love
0: Tua, and I think the, the potential is is so there, but to have him as preseason number one, is that's crazy. Yeah. That just shows you how many people are really willing to put down money on a guy that, yeah, like you. Uh, <laughs> that,
1: no, but Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, he has like the fourth or fifth best odds. Yeah,
0: and it's not to say that freshmen and inexperienced quarterbacks can't shine, but to think that they're going to win college football's most coveted award is I think it's a nope. bit much.
1: I think that's over my dead body, dude. Yeah.
0: Herschel ain't get it. So who's Ain't no way Trevor Lawrence will. I mean, we have talked about this in the past of who, who in the SEC has the best odds to do so. And you kind of look at it and you go, maybe maybe Stidham could be the guy because he has a lot of room yeah. to grow, I think. And I think down the stretch he really played well in that offense. I know that they did struggle in the final two games without a healthy carry on Johnson. But you know we're we're still who's tri- not back this year. <laughs> who's not back, and that might be a bit of a problem for Auburn. But they are going to find a running back with a K, Cam
1: Martin. Um, Hopefully they'll find four offensive linemen. All be first names that begin with K too, um, and they'll be fine. So I mean that receiving core should be really good. He'll put up numbers. I just don't think. I mean, I would I would take him over Tua because an Alabama quarterback is not going to win the Heisman.
0: But Just, at the same time, if if you're a quarterback of a team that goes undefeated in the regular season, you're always going to have a chance. I mean, Jalen Hurts had a chance yeah. for a decent amount of last year. People might forget that as much as he was, you know, not a, not an efficient passer in the last month of yeah. the season. Really, you know, he was a guy that was still in that Heisman Trophy conversation because he was so efficient with the ball. So I don't know what the right. next SEC Heisman Trophy candidate is going to look like. I don't know if we've been. It could be DeAndre Swift. That was the guy who at this time. Uh, well, right around the Heisman Trophy ceremony time last year that I was kind of, you know, suggesting could be the next guy up just because the workload we think is going to be there and in that offense there are just going to be so many opportunities for
1: him and he's obviously got the You know who people are sleeping on and and we are as well? So I think Swift has the best chance because of like we talked about the 392 carries that are gone from last year that he's going to get a a boatload of. From Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, yeah. Yeah. Jordan Ta'amu, with the best Ooh. receiving core in the entire country. Ooh. Yeah. Here's the
0: problem, though. I, I, I like the, the, his odds of putting up massive numbers in that system. We expect that. But when was the last time a quarterback from like a 6-6 six and six
1: team won the Heisman? Who said they're going to go 6-6, six and six, man? They got a damn shark on their team. That's a good point. Can the shark stop that the shark run? That shark should have just came out like literally in a tornado. It wouldn't have been as ridiculous as what they did. No. I- Sharknado. I think that's really their their only play is
0: that the Sharknado thing because it's got such a viral – we've talked too much about the, the land shark. <sighs> yeah,
1: that's a good point. I, I think those are probably your best options from – Benny Snell's not going to get there, I wouldn't think. I don't think Damian Harris will. Honestly, Jake Fromm put up, like, really low-key good numbers last year, 24 touchdowns, 7 picks as a freshman. Inefficient. But I think those numbers are going to go down, yeah. which is weird to say. Like, he'll throw more, I think, than last year, but – now they have another guy. Yeah, and if if he went down like who they bring in Bryce Ramsey and he like punts like half the time has no idea what to do out there.
0: And if they bring in Justin Fields and that's going to curb some of his numbers. Yeah, I, I, you have right. to have the, the team success, you have to have the numbers. I think it's going to be one of those things where we really don't have any idea uh, like last year, you know, everybody's talking about Saquon Barkley, he won the September Heisman whatever it was. Right. I don't know if we're going to have one of those in the SEC and I think that we we're, we're going to have to kind of wait and see how this this team thing plays out.
1: You know who I think it could be? If it's if it's September, we're talking about Debo Samuel, one of three guys. No, if Tomu can beat Bama in that first game, in front of fifty-five thousand screaming, pleated khaki-wearing Rebel fans, no pressure. That's gonna be that's gonna be pretty big. And they have that Texas Tech game where he'll throw for like eight thousand yards. That's a good point. Although, the other two, Stidham, because he'll be on the big stage against Washington first game, and then they get LSU the third game of the year. Vice versa. On the other hand, the other side of that. Joe Burrow, national stage against Miami. It's the only game that day. It's on a Sunday, and then Auburn two weeks later. So Joe Burrow is getting into the Heisman discussion. You heard it here first. I'm just
0: saying he could. He could. You are so high on Joe Burrow. I love it. I'm I, I'm I'm riding that wave with you. I'm I'm all in. Um, My
1: anonymous sources say he could be the best quarterback in the history of the world.
0: Uh, those are pretty good sources. I don't think you. Should, I think that's pretty gutless of you to cite anonymous sources on this podcast. Joe Burrow could have a huge week one at Miami. Not at Miami, but against Miami. Uh, that game is being played in Jerry World in Dallas. Another interesting question that you posed in your 50 questions for this upcoming season. Which SEC team will make the biggest national impact in week one? Could it be LSU But are we Miami? not
1: going to talk about Ali LaForce? That's the biggest question I had on here. Somebody's replacing Ali LaForce, right? But not in my heart. We'll get there. We'll get there. Don't worry. Okay, fine. Um, yeah, so the first week of the season, there's so many big marquee games. What SEC team will make the biggest impact on the national landscape after week one? Your answer is what? LSU. Oh. All right. Because I think they're going to beat Miami, and no one else thinks they will.
0: Yeah, I think they lose 17-14. That's what I've been saying all summer. Oh, that is boring. I know. That is such a
1: big 10 answer.
0: Well, I mean, you're looking at two loaded defenses. Malik Rozier, we don't know the development that he's going to have. Into this season, it feels like he's been at Miami for like twelve years at this point. But uh, I have yeah. questions about that. And I, you know, as much as I th- I believe in Joe Burrow, we're talking about game one against a potential top ten defense in the country with a loaded secondary. Um, I know you're not high on Mark Richt, uh, the ability. to... I mean, to... I'm not
1: higher on Orgeron. So that's a good point. That's a good point.
0: LSU could be. I. They, they could be one of those teams that like. Has one has a. Michigan, Florida type game, and I'm not just saying that because it's in Jerry World Ugh. as well, but if 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 LSU's offense has a game like that, where all of a sudden, like after that Michigan game, everybody was so off of Florida, and it was like all this build up right. to the season, and all of a sudden you just it was like somebody took the air out. And if Miami is one of those games where they pick off Joe Burrow a couple times, and all of a sudden the narrative on LSU just goes way south. Yikes, I would not want to be in Baton Rouge to, to to hear the rest of that because all that offseason hype, people are going to jump off that bandwagon so quickly.
1: Yeah, but if you look at it, like I think most people, especially around the country, assume Miami's going to win that game. I would think so, yeah. Especially outside of the Southeast. And I think LSU will probably go in with like a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And they're a very talented team. No, that's true. I'm not. I wouldn't say the most talented in the entire SEC, <laughs> but we're not going to get on that. No, I, I think that uh, I think they'll have the they have the biggest chance at making an impact early on, and they they have to win that game. Bold prediction. This is this is
0: L- SEC fans are not going to like this. I've got LSU losing. I've got Ole Miss losing to Texas. Why Tech. are you doing this right now?
1: We we just got all these new listeners. Why are you I'm doing? I'm sorry. This? And I've got Auburn losing to Washington. Is this a bad time I to say mean, all that? Yeah, probably so. Probably. We could have waited like two weeks till we predicted the game, So it's I mean it's fine. But Let's hey, I've got Vandy winning the opener, so. We're good. Who are they? Middle Tennessee State? Uh, I don't know. Probably. I just. I don't. Not not against the Blue Raiders. I'm pretty sure they're on the road too. Oh boy, that's yeah, gonna be. Fun tough. fact: They haven't beaten Middle Tennessee State uh, by more than five points or six points in any of the last four matchups. Where? What other podcasts are you gonna get that kind of knowledge? I just want to know that. Probably just any degenerate gambling podcast. Regardless, you heard it here first. Um, the other thing I would say about those predictions you just made. Yeah. I've joked around about this before, and I'm not just trying to be a homer, I promise, because outside of today, I'm pretty pretty unbiased about the Bama stuff. I try to give them as much of a, a fair and objective view on most things. Except when you bring up second and 26, or cover two, or something like that. Yeah, that's all in fun. Yeah. Anyway, so that Louisville line at 25 and a half, Bama is going to beat them by a 1,000 after that idiot came out last week and said that their receivers at louisville hands down hands down better more talented why why say it? i don't know why, why say you it? say that word of the day though talented that? talented yeah uh,
0: i don't i don't i don't know why you said it yeah that'll be uh, an interesting one to watch unfold uh, and see God. if they can stack up to the alabama secondary i don't think alabama has a chance to make a big national impact week one i think that everybody expects alabama to Roll by about four touchdowns, and I don't think that'll surprise anyone. So Alabama's kind of taken out of the running. But these are all good questions, and if you have not seen this countdown, head to SDS right now. Like I said, LOL is guaranteed. We're going to transition to a guy that we talked about a lot this time last year and whether or not he was going to play another game. That's Antonio Callaway, and believe it or not, Antonio Callaway is imp is in trouble with the law yet again. That's actually not the or news. What? That's not the news that he was busted for marijuana possession after getting pulled over. That is eh, just kind of a, a random you know, weekend story that you expect to hear. Sadly, at this point... It was a Tuesday. Was it Tuesday?
1: No, I'm just saying it's, it's just very, very normal run-of-the-mill. It was.
0: The, the news was actually that uh, Browns coach Hugh Jackson came out and said that Callaway's punishment was... Not benching him for a preseason game; it was making him play an entire preseason game. I've never heard of a punishment quite like that, where a coach decides he's going to play one of his troubled players even more and really teach him a lesson. Have you ever heard of anything? Really, just
1: heighten that chance of injury. (laughs) If he tears an ACL, he's going to keep playing. He's going to do it. You did it to yourself.
0: Shouldn't have smoked that pot, man.
1: I mean, it honestly. As soon as I saw this, it was it reminded me of like when my friends would get caught like either smoking pot or like smoking cigarettes or something stupid and their parents found out and was like you know what? I'm going to sit here and watch you smoke that entire entire pack of cigarettes. Like no, like that's what he was basically doing. This has come out of the Urban Meyer school of coaching where if you have a player who gets in trouble
0: just just kind of take him take him under your wing and just throw him yeah. out there on the field and you know, you just you hope he doesn't catch too many touchdown passes but if he catches more murder or two, somebody. Yeah, like if you know, if you got a guy who's just in some trouble with the law, just just show him that football's the way to go. And if you score some points, I mean that, that
1: yeah. I guess that'll teach you. If you, you, a you ever want to defend Urban Meyer, just remember that he recruited Aaron Hernandez out of Connecticut, and he was in a gang in Connecticut. That's almost impossible to do. But he did it. He did yeah, against all odds, he found a gang in Connecticut. Uh, so,
0: basically, by the way things are going with Antonio Callaway, he is going to play every minute of every game this season. So, good luck to him and his career. Yeah. Get uh, some we, Gatorade, we right. man. Yeah. We got, a, we got a family feud, don't we?
1: No, we have our best punishments. Oh, wait, yeah, we got
0: our best punishments. Yeah. I should back up. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, best punishment that you have ever been dealt doesn't have to be by a coach, but it can be.
1: Um, I got out-of-school suspension my ninth grade year of high school, for something I said to a P.E. coach. What did you, what'd you um, say, Chris? I'm not going to I can't say it on here. I called him a name because I was very upset. Butthead. Um, and Was what's that a butthead? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I got suspended for two days out of school. And it was Thursday and Friday uh, in, like, the like third week of March. So it was the first two days of March Madness. It was awesome. Wow. That is the best yeah. punishment.
0: Yeah. That sounds pretty awesome. Boom uh that's pretty good uh one time uh freshman basketball i remember um i was playing we were the sophomores or yeah we were, we were the sophomores playing against the freshmen that's what it was and i got a rebound and i was just like clearing out room i was wasn't the type of player that actually like would Why throw you elbows rebounding? i don't know i just the ball kind of fell to me it was one of those i'm good okay, fair i'm 5 8 for those of you who don't know i'm shorter than paul feinbaum fun fact Um, but yeah, a rebound fell to me and it looked like I was like, apparently it looked like I was throwing elbows. I honestly had no intention of doing that. Um, but so a coach saw that uh, the, the, the freshman coach, so he wasn't even my coach and he comes up to me and starts screaming his head off. And if you want to pull that type of stuff, you can get out. And like, literally like walks me out of the gym to like, make sure I leave the gym. And this is an entire field house. So everybody in the entire field house can hear this, not even my coach. I basically just went out, got a drink of water, and came back in. And then I went up to my coach. I was like, you came back in? Yeah, I came back in because it wasn't really like a, I wasn't, wasn't going to let him you know, dictate what I was going to do. He's the freshman coach. I was yeah. on the sophomore team. And then I asked my sophomore coach. I'm like, I didn't do anything wrong, did I? And he's like, no, nah, you're fine.
1: <laughs> so fun
0: punishment. Okay. But yeah, that guy was nuts. I, he definitely had something out for me, I think.
1: I mean, I have some horror stories from college like where I set my alarm for PM to the AM and missed practice and showed up on the practice field like, 18 minutes late after it started and I was like always the first one there and because I wasn't any good so I had to do something <laughs> and I, I came in like the, the right field line and I remember like one of our pitchers Jason Bennett just had his glove over his mouth he was like like laughing hysterically because he knew I was about to get like it handed to me and so my coach told me to go run poles until he got tired and I ran 38 foul poles and we had to go hit batting practice afterwards I didn't have a very good round
0: Legs are a little and, uh, tired from that, I bet.
1: Yeah. It's so like each each ball you didn't hit on the line drive opposite field, you had to run a hill. So then I had six hills out of seven total pitches. And he's like, why do you have six hills? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I, over, I overreacted. And he somehow got the brim of his hat under mine and was just screaming at me. And he's like, get out of here. And I, I, like, left. I was like, oh, my God, I think I just got kicked off the team. But then, like, the next day he was like, what was wrong with you yesterday? I was like, oh, nothing. Listen to a lot of tank! I was really upset. Sports, man. <laughs> Sports! Yeah.
0: Those, are, those are pretty good, those are pretty good. I was, that was better than I was expecting for you.
1: I thought your, Thanks, I thought your punishments this,
0: this would be a little bit more like pretty strict disciplinary, but that was actually, yeah, that was pretty good.
1: I had some stuff we're not gonna share, but you know, one day when the whole issue in Streveport goes away, we'll talk about it. Gosh. All right, family feud, let's do it. All right, here we go. So, um, even though we talked about some sad stuff and Chris got all riled up today, this is a fun segment uh, we do every week called Family Feud. As Connor said, it has nothing to do with Family Feud. Nothing to do with I'm family, ask, really. No, no, absolutely not. Um, I'm going to ask eight to ten questions. Rapid fire. Connor's not going to get them right. But, you know, he's a go-getter. He tries to come back every week. Are you ready? Uh, born ready. Okay. What, what does that mean? I don't know. If you were an infant, you would not know any of these answers, Connor. Put point. 20 seconds on the clock. Here we go. Things you are most excited about in college football. First question. Uh, in one word, describe the first day of football. Joe Moorhead. What does that even mean? No, Christmas. What? Don't do this. Okay. Don't do this for any listeners. Second one. What's the best intro in college football? Clemson uh, walking down uh, walking down the hill. That yeah. was yeah, pretty cool. That's what I had. I had Clemson and I had Bama. It's, I mean, that sounds yeah. as cool. Clemson's awesome. They had a DJ there. Anyway, um, most exciting fight song. I think the Michigan fight song is pretty cool. Hail to the victors. I'm a, yeah, you would. It's actually that um, pop song a few years ago. This is my fight song. Or Notre Dame. Either way. Uh, exciting announcer. Most exciting announcer. Uh, I'm going to go Vern, even though he's not still with us as, a, as an not SEC. Not even applicable. What are you talking about? It's Gus Johnson. Nah. Or Brent Musburger if he's drunk. That's my favorite. Uh, most exciting town. Town? Yeah. Jeez. Uh, it Baton, has to be an SEC It's got to be Baton Rouge, right? I said Athens, but yeah, sure. Uh, most e- exciting. Wait, tailgate food you're most excited to eat? Uh, I'm a big chili guy at tailgates. I like chili. I think chili that's well prepared. That's uh, that's my jam. Okay, I said corn dog, so you are 0 for six. Uh, let's see here. What are you most excited for uh, for fall? Um, the changing
0: of the leaves and a reason to wear something that isn't Coilers shorts is nice. and a t-shirt. But I live in Orlando,
1: so I just kind of pretend. Okay, yeah. There you go. You got one right. I said sweatshirt, so I can uh, hide my weight. Anyway, favorite game day tradition? we got three left. You better hurry up. Uh, watching college game
0: day at 9 a.m. and watching Pac-12 after dark until 2 in the day morning. Day drinking.
1: Day drinking. You were way oh, off. sir. Uh, favorite college football analyst? Not announcer. Analyst. I'm going to go with my guy, Joel Klatt. Big Joel Klatt guy. What? He hates the SEC. Allegedly. No, the answer was Trevor Maddich over-explaining things to everybody. All right. Fair enough. Uh, least exciting thing for college football season? Ah, uh, least exciting thing. Talking you to you twice this. a week. Is that? No, that's kind of messed up. I was gonna weird. say white kids dabbing. That's I mean <laughs> kind of rude. Um, best part of a viewing party. Last question
0: uh, for you.
1: Viewing party. get people over to watch the big game. Uh, What's your favorite thing to do? To
0: hush people and to allow me to actually watch the game I can see that. at a normal volume
1: and not have to worry about them talking. Mine is panic cleaning the kitchen like a 1950s housewife. I, I'm actually the team. I'm big on that too. I'm really big on that. Yeah. Gotta do the dishes, gotta get them done. Can't let that chili sit in there.
0: Spotless. Yeah. Spotless on mm-hmm. Saturdays. I believe that.
1: That's pretty good. There you How go. Many points? Uh, you get two. I didn't get 69. No. You weren't even close. I'm not gonna give you that. You gotta earn it. Wow. It's almost the season. Jeez. Now do it again or I will make you run. <laughs> Talked a lot about punishments on this episode, man. We're going to end
0: with uh, a segment that we always do. It's It Might Mean Too Much. We've got the regular Friday column up and running. Some good stuff. So this was a little little peel behind the onion here. Uh, This past week, I was kind of searching for some good ideas, and I just searched the the hashtag It Might Mean Too Much on Twitter, and I saw that uh, Kristen Key, I believe her name is, um, she tweeted the the hashtag from an original tweet uh, that Blake Edens put out about this candle that had Chad Morris as a saint. It is bizarre. If you haven't seen it yet, search it might mean too much and you'll find it. Uh, it is the type of stuff that you think that people just do as a joke. And, but no, this is actually a commercial product that's being sold. It's being sold at a store in Little Rock called Domestic Domestic. Uh, I found that's that out. That's the name of the store? Yeah, it's called Domestic Domestic. It actually looks like a cool like lifestyle store. They got a bunch of different products and stuff. Um, so uh, I, Don't say that. So I called him up, and uh, I spoke with their creative director, a uh, guy named D, uh, J.D. Harris. And apparently the, the, the company who makes the candles, uh, they do a bunch of different celebrity candles. They got Kanye, Golden of Girls. Of like actual celebrities. Yeah, actual celebrities. Yeah. So I basically asked him, I was like, you know, what's, what's the deal with putting like an, an Arkansas coach who hasn't coached a game yet? And he basically said, you know, we're just trying to get fans excited. Um, yeah. You know, we want to generate some hype. People didn't know who it was when they, when they first put them out there, which is the most awkward thing about it. And so, um, but then more and more people found out about this. They sold out of their second shipment. They're getting hundreds and hundreds more in there. They're starting to get a little bit more uh, traction. Um, they sell for 15 bucks, as I found out. Uh, yeah, 15 bucks. It's a little eight inch candle. And yes, it is a prayer candle. I did confirm that. Um, so they're hoping that this This is all kinds of wrong. A better season than what they had last year. I, said, I asked them, I'm like, well, did Brett Bielema have a candle? said no but he probably should have um yeah i think it's a little Nobody too late for coach
1: a L- little too late for that um but yeah it's it, they're, they're so really hoping questions. to get some traction yeah i had so domestic domestic has a creative director what am i doing with my life it's uh yeah they uh they do a lot of different stuff like it's it's actually like kind of a cool website that
0: i went browsing around that's not even a shameless plug that's just you know yeah that's just me liking something but yeah there are candles are prayer candles of Chad Morris. So Arkansas fans, get your hands on one of those. It's only gonna cost you fifteen bucks. 15 yeah, dollars. How much do they sell candles
1: for now? I never my wife buys all the candles, so I and they just I show buy, up. Yeah, I don't I mean, I'm not a big candle guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like all the, the weird like Yankee candle, not for me. Okay. Hey, just smells. I don't like smells, you know what I mean, man? That's my thing.
0: Let's uh, let's close things out today. Uh, reminder, send us those five-star reviews, leave us a little review. Uh, make fun of us, uh, you know. We don't do that. We well, I mean, we we like our egos boosted, and as long as you are going to make fun of us, just do so with a little, you know, a little five-star review there. We have no problem with that. Tell your friends about us. Um, if you've got a lot of friends, cool, sick, brag. Tell all of them about us. Watch the Facebook Live that you are doing. That's every Tuesday night. We're doing it. They
1: got the Facebook live. Uh, yeah, going. no, it's every Monday night. Every Monday I mean, night. Monday Hold night. On, we have a five-star review, man. Oh, we do have a five-star review. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've, I've spoken what are doing? way too quickly. Okay. You got that. Five star up? review. And, and also, real quick, a shout out to I know we we have a lot of new listeners and and had a whole thing on Twitter and social media last week to, to kind of push for that. Those of you that just joined in, thank you so much. Yes. Really appreciate it. Thank Those you. of you that have been here from the beginning, there was a couple people that like tweeted like, you know, how many episodes they had they had already listened to or how long they've been following we really appreciate that we do so it it really does not enough for me to have i guess looked up your actual names and look at those screenshots because i'm an idiot but i will do that on thursday and thank you from the bottom of my heart now five star review i this is from Ack 32 nice ack 32 i have never felt more connected to someone strong start uh, when they mentioned how every gosh darn Auburn player's name starts with a K. On a serious note, great attention to all SEC teams. Well worth listening to each week. That's beautiful. That's the stuff we yeah, look for bae. right there. That is. Auburn. we will make you K. a candle, sir.
0: Yeah, candle with a K. Um, make sure that you are reading <laughs> nice. all of our content. We've really cranked things up. If you have not checked out SDS uh, in the past few weeks, if you've been just not the type of person who reads off-season content. Now is your time to do it. Get prepared. we got crystal ball stuff coming out every day. Marler, you're coming out with new stuff. You pretty much have like a once a week type deal that you're doing at this point, right?
1: I, I mean, I'm sleep with the wheel. I don't really know what, what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. It's probably the best But favorite. yes. Same. I've been, uh, you know, just mainly the Instagram and the, and the tweets, trying to make memes. Follow us on the Oops. Instagram. Follow us on Twitter, at the SDS, at the SDS pod at C Marler sds at C J Guerra. oh and also last thing guys if you have any questions you want us to answer on air you know so we have a different segment besides me losing my mind about bama stuff send them in little mailbag we can do that yeah we can definitely do. put that. them on twitter put them on instagram mail a letter like dj durkin whatever you want to do yeah. old-fashioned we'll take it yeah. we're not above
0: that um so we'll, we're actually going to be coming back to you guys on thursday this week this is the start of our twice weekly podcast as we announced. So, hey, you're not going to have to wait that long to see us. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good thing. So, uh, We will see you guys very, very soon. And until then, just remember, it might be too much.
1: Boom. Thanks, guys.